Abba Yahweh, thank you for this day. And bless the sharing and reading of this, your word, your truth, Father God. To my brothers and sisters, to uplift them, to encourage them, to entice them into your word, Father God, to provoke them into your word, Father God, to bring them into your word, Father God, seeking your face, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, Father God. For it is there that they find peace, find hope, find truth, Father God, in this dark, desolate place that we must travel through. Father God, be with us. Your strength, your encouragement, your uprightness, Father. Yahweh, Amen. Yahshua, Amen. Parakletos, Amen. Praiseworthy, Father God. Brother and sister, I must share some things out of the book of John. Um, I'm in the sixth chapter, and it's talking about um, his perspective from John. Remember, I, I've shared with you that many of the epistles that are written in the gospel are about the same incidents. Um, but you have to remember that I think that the purpose, or I believe the purpose for this is because that all the disciples had a different perspective. You understand that, that Peter's perspective on what he did was different than what Matthew did, and that what he did was okay, what Matthew did was not. Um, there were many interpersonal relationships and things that were going on with the disciples that are not spoken of directly in the Bible, but that we are able to infer by interpolating between the lines and seeing what, what, they're, what they're meaning to say or what they are saying to one another. And then there are times when it comes right out and it there's no inference it's coming right out because Jesus catches them at their thoughts and their murmurings and he stops them and then he rebukes them but his rebukes are to strengthen and bring them upright and not to chastise or to belittle or degrade them he just like look you're going to be with me you have to be with me the right way. It's like there's, um, and I'm I'm going to be cautious here and not use the outright name because there will be some that will jump all over. Like I said, that people get so offended by things so easily. And it's so ridiculous, actually, to let that happen and, and um, just have to stand. But there's churches that use a term <clears throat> that was, taken from the Bible, and they use that as a name for their church, but are they doing that thing? Um, is that thing happening? And, and we are called, we are commissioned to do something. Our purpose is to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. But then you have those places that draw from that and pretty much they're a meeting place or a big clubhouse. There are, I'm not saying that all the members that go there do that thing, but they are 
a great many that go and just hang out to be seen. And then there are a few members of the same congregation that will go out and do that, what they're called to do. And there are many churches like that. It's got to be more than a clubhouse, brothers and sisters. We were called to do something. We were called for a purpose. We are to do his work. We're to do his will. We are to do what he's called us to do. How much greater than Jesus Christ are we that we don't have to do that or we feel that we don't have to um, be doing that bidding? Uh, you know, Jesus Christ came and crucif- was crucified for our sakes, all of our sakes, crucified, spread his arms out, and was nailed to that cross, crucified and lifted on Calvary, Golgotha, the mound of the skull, Moriah, the same mountain, the same mount, hill, large hill, Abraham, when he was wandering and God said, I'll show you where to go, just trust me. And he did. And he took him to the very place that God's only begotten son was hung on the cross. Abraham took his only son, Isaac, to that place. The only son that was in his house, he took him there. And God provided so that he would not have to sacrifice him. Jesus Christ came and was sacrificed and gave himself for us. Brothers and sisters, this is, this is immense. And um, in John's perspective, in his writing in chapter 6 of John, after the feeding and that the Lord had broken the bread and the fish and that the disciples had finished up and, and gathered up what was left so that nothing was wasted as we do so much today. We just waste so much. So they collected it and they gathered all this up and that that there were men there that were murmuring amongst themselves and and deciding that, oh my gosh, look what we just saw. This has got to be that that we prayed about. This has got to be him and that he was supposed to come into this world. <clears throat> and Jesus perceived, was able to perceive as we uh, see in verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. So can you imagine, okay, and, and this is the part that, that I want to impress upon you, that sometimes when we read the scripture, we skip over things like this, and we, we continue just going through, and we think that Jesus sort of just floated around with the disciples and did these things and, and kind of did it. You have to understand that Jesus Christ came here as a man, 
that Jesus Christ came as a man and he emptied himself out of all the power that he could. And trust me when I say this too, brothers and sisters, that he just didn't, the power that I'm talking about is a glorified Jesus Christ that at any time he could command the angels, boom, and the angels would come and would have destroyed this world to set him free would have destroyed this world. And he could have caused that to happen just by saying, this is not going to happen. Come now, rescue me. And they would have been there because he is the captain of the host of heaven. His authority is as their, their leader, the son of God, part of God. And he sat on the throne. But he didn't do that. And he surrendered that in coming here and that he had to go, like we do, through the Father and throw these things out to him. And you have to understand, too, that we see this in in many ways. He knew things and he could perform the miracles and do those things. But what I'm saying is that a lot of times people forget that Jesus Christ was also a man. And here, (laughs) they were going to take him by force. And he wasn't, you know, he didn't want to be into this. Jesus Christ was not confrontational. One time, he cast them out of the temple because they were making profit out of making the already poor people to have to buy special things in order to get into the temple and do what they were supposed to be doing or what they had in their heart compelled to bring them to the temple and worship and offer and sacrifice. But these money changers that Jesus Christ confronted and cast out and scourged them because they were he they were robbing from the poor people and making them pay to be able to come in God's presence. And there are those today, and let me share that with you too. There are those today that do that very thing. They'd get people to pay them for their little anointment cloth or, you know, that they allegedly wiped their brow with when they were in their messages and they were preaching and they were supposedly sweating and they wiped their brow or they wiped their face with this sweat cloth and and now it can perform miracles. So I will send you my portion of my sweat cloth if you put in $29.95 and send it to me. And if you do that every month, I'll send you a new prayer cloth every month and you can have a miracle in your life. Well, brothers and sisters, yeah, I'm making fun of it because that is so much hooey. Okay, there's nowhere that it's, and it says in the Bible to be wary of those because there will be many that will that will come to deceive and they do so to make their that make their living that way. And I'm my goodness gracious, you see some of these in their productions and they're wearing, <laughs> wow, I'm sorry, but my eyes see things like that. They wear a suit that is obviously tailor-made and custom to them that would be a couple thousand dollars and the jewelry that they wear and the flash that they put on their, their little bling bling that they put on so that when their hands move around, it sparkles in the light and all that. I mean, it's a production. It's make-believe. They claim 
and they may know the word, but they have found that it makes a good deal of money and in duping the people into believing this. But I don't want to get off track here. I just get carried away sometimes in the word of God. But Jesus Christ knew that they were going to come and they were going to try to make him be king because he said the Messiah, there'd be the king. But see, their their anticipation was that they were going to see him come in and once he took the power as a king, then he was going to run off the Romans and he would be on horseback and he would be crowned and, you know, he'd have this huge entourage of soldiers and, and guards and that's not what Jesus Christ was about. So he left to go alone. He, he disappeared on everybody. He went so he could pray and meditate on his father God and what he's supposed to be doing. And when the evening had come, his disciples went down to the, to the ocean and they got into a boat and they were going over to Capernaum. And Jesus didn't go with them. They, they took off and they headed that away. And then, of course, in Sea of Galilee, is if you've known or... or it's, it's a very tumultuous area as far as being out in the water. And at any time, the way that that valley was shaped and, and formed is that it's not really a great ocean. I mean, you can make it from one side to the other side in, in a day, uh, rowing or sailing. But it's uh, storms come up on that, on that water at any given moment. You'd be out there on the water and everything would be fine. And then, and then it gets really windy and really rough and, and it gets shaky. So they went out on this boat and they started heading to the other side to Capernaum. And when evening came and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the water and drawing nigh into the ship and they were afraid. Okay, so the point that I'm getting to with this is that they spent time with Jesus. They know who Jesus is. They saw him perform miracles. Most of them were with him when they when he changed the water into wine. He was still just starting out, so had a few. But the there were the disciples that were with him at that time that were also in the boat. So then my question comes up, why didn't they calm everybody down? Just say, hey. Everybody relax. That's Jesus. That's our Lord. That's the that's our Messiah. That's the one that we're following around to be taught. But they became afraid because they saw him walking on the water. They saw him do some other things, but now he's walking on the water and they got, became afraid. So Jesus, you'll <laughs> get to them about that later. And so... When Jesus came walking on water, they were afraid. But he said unto them, it is I. Be not afraid. It's me, Jesus. Don't, don't be frightened. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. And as the day continued, and the people were stood on the other side of the sea, they knew that there was no other boat. Then his disciples got on the boat, and they went. And Jesus wasn't with his disciples, and that they had left on their own. 
And then there came other boats and everybody got on because they went to chase after Jesus. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to hear his teachings and they were, they were drawn to him like bees to honey. Oh, sweet Jesus. Sweet, sweet Jesus. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus wasn't there, neither his disciples, they also took the boats and they went to Capernaum. They went looking for him. They came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of that sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, how comest thou hither? How'd you get here? There weren't any other boats. You didn't leave with your disciples. And then you left us, and we saw your disciples leave, and there weren't any other boats. How'd you get here? In verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. What does that mean? They were physically fed by the loaves and fishes but Jesus Christ feeds us with more than what our physical bodies require he fills us to fulfill remember he shared with a woman at the well you drink of this water and you're going to be thirsty again but you drink of the water that I offer from the, the well of living water and in your faith you walk and I provide that for you. So you're not going to be thirsty again. You won't be thirsty again. And Jesus explained to them that that's what they were seeking. They saw his miracles. They saw what he did. And that's why they came. Some of them, they came for the show. Okay. Jesus Christ is trying to explain to them to be leaning in with the spiritual ear and your eyes and hear and be fed this heavenly meal that I have to provide for you. And they asked Jesus when he was talking about labor, of course, they, our minds go to that area. Brothers and sisters, we have to be on that higher plane of existence and our perceptions are we have to lean in with a spiritual ear our spiritual eyes, see the word, hear the word, hear the Holy Spirit speak to us and hear God speak to us when he does come down and we're in the word and we seek and we ask him and he will respond. But we have to do so with spiritual eyes and ears open. Okay? You have to lean into the word of God. And this is what Jesus tried to get across in, in many places in the Bible. They that have ears, let them hear. We're talking about spiritual hearing. We're not talking about the physicality. So as they're t when Jesus speaks of labor, they're thinking in that worldly realm of labor. What do we got to build? What do we got to work? But there are spiritual works that we're asked to do, our purpose 
to share the good news gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to labor to that. And it is a labor, brothers and sisters, because there are so many in the world that don't want to hear it. They want to be argumentative. They want to be combative. They want to be uh, deafened. Their their eyes are sealed and, and scaled over and their hearing is stopped up because they're hardened hearts. It can be laborious. But again, we are not the ones that are to confront that. We're not to be confrontational. We offer the word. If they don't want to hear it, then we walk away. Walk away, okay? In verse 28, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Who's he talking about? He's talking about me. Jesus, just believe on me. This is, God tells us that. Just believe that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. I sent him there to save everybody's hide for their salvation and have faith in me. Believe in Jesus, have faith in me. And Jesus is telling them that. Simply believe on whom he hath sent. Believe that I came, that God sent me. I am the Messiah, but you have to believe that. And there are some that would profess it with their mouth, but they didn't believe it in their heart. Jesus knew that, and there are many that did. Look, brothers and sisters, let's flip the coin over and look at the Pharisees. They knew the Scripture, and they, as well as everyone else, prayed for the Messiah. But their perception of the Messiah was not this lowly carpenter, this lowly man who, who set aside his crown and his trappings of royalty from heaven and came to die here as a man. They didn't get it. They didn't see it. They were looking for somebody with an entourage to come down and run off the Romans and do this and do that. If, he, if Jesus Christ came in his exalted form, in his glorified form, all would have been well with the Pharisees, but he came as a man. He came as a sacrificial lamb, so they couldn't see it. And it just really ticked them off. So at one time, at one side of Jesus' uh, walking, you had those that wanted to take him and they wanted to, to prod him and say, you know, you're our king, be our king, be our king, be our savior, this and that, and push him that direction. Then you had, on the other side, you had the Pharisees playing tug-of-war with those that wanted Jesus. And they were putting him down, belittling him, because he did things that he is supposed to be doing. And they weren't holding the law as, even as it was really written, they wanted to hold on to that so tightly, they weren't willing to open their hands up and let go so that they could receive. They just wanted to hold on to that written law. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to share this with you too, that there are some that are still doing that. They're still looking for the Messiah who's already come and gone and is going to come again. But they're still looking for the first because, unfortunately, their hardened hearts are in the written law and that Jesus Christ could not possibly have been the Messiah. There are those that believe that. I've encountered some, and there are those that believe that. And that's unfortunate. That's why we, as true followers, Christians, disciples, of Jesus Christ and the word of God, that's our purpose, to share the truth, the truth, the gospel, 
of God the Father, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, so that others may have an opportunity as well. That is our purpose. That is our great commission. That is what we are to do. And brothers and sisters, we're, we are compelled. I'm compelled to try to do that very thing the best that I possibly can. And God does not expect perfection, brothers and sisters. That's not what he looks for from us. He just looks at our heart that we drive in that direction and that we can do these things. He who is perfect will come again. He who is perfect was come and he's coming again. God does not expect us to walk on the water, turn water into wine, and do all the things that Jesus did, although we have the authority over demons because Jesus Christ gave us that authority over the serpents and the scorpions. Again, I share that's Bible speak for demons because Satan has his minions. Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipotent, and he's not omnipresent. So he has his minions come out to do his bidding for him. And those demons, serpents and scorpions, that's what they do. They slither in and out. And they watch constantly for weakness. They walk constantly for an attack mode. And sometimes their attacks are really pretty nasty. Because they are like the the slavering wolves or lions. They come and they will tear you up. And brothers and sisters, they will attack. They attack me just because I am doing what God calls me to do or walking that path and and trying and, and seeking to be closer to God. Their purpose is to knock me off that path, to get me to be discouraged, to get me to give up. See, that's the greatest thing you have to understand is that his greatest and their commission is to get us to give up. To be discouraged, dismayed, throw our hands up and say, I can't keep doing this, and walk away. That would be such a triumph for him. And he wants us to do that. That's his desire in the Christian brotherhood, the fellowship that we have. And in doing that, the greatest tool that he has is derisive and derision. That's why I tell you that this thing that's going on, it's real, but they're using the reality and changing it and manipulating it to be far darker and deeper than what it truthfully is. And people are willing to believe the lie. And that lie keeps people separated. There are still places where they do not allow churches to gather and worship. Thankfully, here, that the governor is saying, man, this is enough. Enough is enough. We are seeing in our medical professionals are telling that what's going on is not truthful we're we're done with this with these lies and thankfully his heart believes that we should be gathering and be together and this is what it is in the book of hebrews it tells us that we are a gathering people but the enemy wants us to be driven apart to be separate 
And then you get to feeling on your own. What happens when you get by yourself? And sadly, there are those that claim to be Christians that withdraw into their hovel and they pull the door closed, they pull the shades down, they won't get out, they won't gather, they won't go, and they keep claiming, and then they turn around and, oh, woe is me, you know, I can't get out, you know, I don't feel comfortable. Excuse me, where's your faith in God? Where is your belief in God? Where is your belief in the word? That you get out and you do these things and you walk in triumph, you walk in faith, but instead believing the lies, withdrawing and staying down and going into your comfort zone and then you stay in the house with the doors bolted and the shades drawn and for crying out loud, if they come to deliver your groceries, you've got your secret little peeper that you're looking at and making sure that it's really them and then... You know, I've even seen people that just put it down, put it down and go, put it down and go. And oh my gosh, brothers and sisters, we got to, we got to stand up. We have to be not fearful. God says, don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you always. We have to get beyond this, but this is the enemy's drive to separate us, to keep us from being together, to keep us from interpersonal relationship. And they call him the prince of the air for a reason. This device, and I use it for a tool to share the word, but there are many people that this device drives them apart. It doesn't drive them together. They don't have any interpersonal relationship. I've seen people that are are right across the table from one another. They text back and forth instead of talking to each other. I've seen this happening, and I'm like, are you kidding me? The person sitting right across the table from you, speak. Open your mouth and speak to them, but they don't. They text back and forth. And they'll look up and acknowledge that they got the text. What What is that about? And I've seen a mother and son, they went out to dinner and they're busy texting back and forth. They barely acknowledge the hostess and the waitress that are serving them and bringing food to them. And then they don't even, they don't leave a tip. They just pay and go and don't even thank anybody for anything that they did. They were so busy through the whole meal, they didn't even relate to one another because the kid was busy gaming and mom was busy with her friends texting. This is a drive. See, the prince of the air uses this thing for his purpose and way, but God's purpose and way is to share the gospel. This is a good foundation to be able to do that, and I prayed for that. There will be interference, I'm certain, but that's the way of the enemy. But the way of my Lord, my sovereign God, is to share this word, to be in and part of that commission that he pulled me into, that to share the word of God. That's what we're all called to do. And in this thing, when Jesus was sharing with them that the work of God, and they believe on him whom he has sent, then, of course, they asked, all they said, therefore, unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doest thou work? Oh, my gosh. These people saw him doing things somewhere in there, and they get in the crowd, and then they said, so what are you going to do? Show us that we can believe that what you're saying is true. Wow. Verse 31, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, which means listen to me, listen to what I'm saying, verily, verily, hear me. I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my 
Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus, trying to uplift and encourage at the same time, he gave them a gentle rebuke. He said, look, (laughs) you've seen what I've done. You've heard what I said, and you still don't believe. Show us more, show us more, show us more. They come for the show. They didn't come for the reality. And the reality is that Jesus Christ, as he said, came to feed us, to sacrifice for us, and to give us that water, that living water that from that fountain so that we don't thirst again and we won't thirst again. But the physicality and, and that we put our mind, our physical minds, the mind of man, and try to wrap it around these things. And we don't understand it. Of course we can't understand it because we're thinking what our thought. This is why you have to open your spiritual ears and lean into God and listen to what he's saying. You have to lean in. Leaning on the everlasting arms, which are ours because he promised that they'll be there and he will be with us. And then that is what we need to do is believe on Jesus Christ, that he is our savior. He did come for us and he will come again. Believe on him, have faith in God and share the word of God, the truth, the knowledge. And brothers and sisters, that faith. And what is it said about faith? In the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tells us about faith. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We can't see God. We don't see Jesus anymore. But we have faith. Faith, brothers and sisters, and there are many, I, I share it again. I'll share it again. There are many that say, I can't have faith. I can't see him. So how am I supposed to have faith in something I don't see? Oh, what a contradiction in terms in and of itself. You don't see the guy working on your car, your mechanic that you faithfully have done business with for 15 or 20 years because he's always done great work. Uh, excuse me, Jesus Christ and God the Father has always done great works. All you have to do is look around and see it. And in the faithful eye and the ear, you hear the birds singing, you hear the bees buzzing, you hear the cicadas, crickets, you see the trees, you see these buildings that have been put there by the hands of man and 
their knowledge and wisdom that God has imparted to them to be able to put these things together so that they will be structurally sound and hold up. You look in faith and see that God is in all things. I've shared with you before already that we will have no excuse when you come and God says, why didn't you believe them that I sent to share that word with you? Well, we didn't know. We didn't, we didn't see. We couldn't see. God's going to say, excuse me? Nature itself cries out and sings glory and praise to God. And you say you didn't hear, didn't see, and didn't know? Ha! I don't believe that. And he's not going to believe it. Brothers and sisters, everything around us screams out, God Almighty. Is sovereign. The knowledge and wisdom that's imparted to the doctors, to those that build, and those things that are done, God is in all things. By all things we have around, they consist. Wasn't just made and set in the ground. Consisting means that part and parcel of God is in everything. In everything. Pardon me. This is why many places in the scripture you'll find that when someone was healed or touched, like the woman with the uh, issue of her blood, and she came and she touched the hem of the garment, and Jesus Christ turned away, but because she was down near the ground, he didn't see her right away, but he knew that somebody had touched him. And he said, who is it that touched me? I have felt virtue come out of me. And then the disciples, well... Gee, look around. I mean, there's there's hundreds of people here and they're pushing. Of course, somebody touched you. They bumped into you. Well, that's not what he was talking about. Somebody came and touched him by grabbing on and knowing and believing and having faith that what he would do for their person was to heal because he is the almighty son of God. He is the great physician. And when that took place, virtue left him. Part of him left and went out into that person. That's what Jesus Christ was talking about. And when she confessed it to him, he said, your faith has made you whole. Brothers and sisters, there are many of us today that need that faith. Drive for that thing. And... It is much more than just seeing the works. Yeah, you see what the mechanic did, so you stay with him for 20 years, and for 20 years, not actually seeing him do the work, but for some reason or another, the, the car still runs. So you're going to trust and have faith in that mechanic. But you don't see him do any of the work. Brothers and sisters, faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not things not seen. And that's in Hebrews 11, 1. And in verse 11, 2, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. 
What does that mean? That means that man didn't produce all these things and it wasn't the hands of man that make it happen. And brothers and sisters, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, this is, this is, goes back with part and parcel of what I said at first. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. <clears throat> exhorting. Provoking. Provoking means to urge. It doesn't mean uh, the way that many times men will think, oh, he provoked me into that, so I beat the snot out of it. Well, that's, that's a form of provocation. But the provoking that is being spoken of in God's word is urging one another to be prayerful and mindful of God to have faith, which is what I do, brothers and sisters. I try to provoke you into doing these things, trying to um, encourage you to go that direction. And then, as was spoken to, to gather, not to be as it is with some, that they just are willing to sit back in their comfort zone, in their hovel, you know, pull the shade, pull the door, stay locked up, and then use everything that's going on around as an excuse not to get out and gather and be with the brothers and sisters. They have allowed fear. They have become fearful. Okay, remember I've shared this with you too before. Is that God knows that we are afraid of things, and there's so much out here to be afraid of, but not to be fearful. God doesn't mind us being afraid and having doubt because that's why and where we walk in faith. Believe that the detour that we get put on is the road that God intended for us to travel. That is faith. Faith that God is going to be with us and deliver us through all things, not to be fearful and allow fear to drive our decisions and what we do. Remember this too, brothers and sisters, that fear is the other name, one of the pseudonyms for Satan himself. Fear. Prince of the air, Lucifer, the accuser, liar. All of those names are his character. They denote truthfully his character. And he loves fear, false evidence appearing real. Making it appear so real and so true, it drives us into that. And then we become fearful and that Fear drives our decision-making. Do we stay locked up in our house, pull the shades, pull the door, and if people come to deliver something to the house or groceries or food or anything to benefit us, what do we do? We put it down and get off the porch, get out. I got to come out and get it. I can't do that with you standing there. What is that? And brothers and sisters, in walking around, walking my dogs, I've seen people that are that way. And that's unfortunate. They are fearful. So, brothers and sisters, I'm going to end this sharing time with you. I appreciate the time that I've had with you. And uh, my verbosity, I try to keep it down, but it's hard. Have a good day. Have a blessed day. Don't be fearful. Be faithful. Hopeful. Looking to that 
thing that God has promised to deliver and Jesus Christ did to bring for us. Love you. Have a good day, brothers and sisters.